make use of these series because they've certainly helped me evaluate my own marriage, where I'm at, how am I relating to this idea of marriage, and it works. The more I'm realizing these past few months as I'm reading materials, I'm applying them to my marriage, and this is real. This is not theoretical stuff. This is how the Bible invites you and I to experience marriage as a total commitment, an exclusive commitment, a continuing commitment, a growing commitment. I'm gonna invite us to read together these vows, these marriage vows that a lady named Elizabeth Achtemeyer uh, came up with. Um, I hope you can see it from where you're at. Um, at the count of three of you would join me, especially if you're married. I invite you to read these, not simply to read them from the screen, but read them as if saying these to your spouse today. Ready? One, two, three. I will be with you no matter what happens to us and between us. If you should become blind tomorrow, I will be there. If you achieve no success and attain no status in our society, I will be there. When we argue and are angry, and we inevitably will, I will work to bring us together. When we seem totally at odds, and neither of us is having needs fulfilled, I will persist in trying to understand and in trying to restore our relationship. When our marriage seems utterly sterile and going nowhere at all, I will believe that it can work, and I will want it to work, and I will do my part to make it work. And when all is wonderful and we are happy, I will rejoice over our life together and continue to strive to keep our relationship growing and strong. Beautiful words, amen? These are the words, or one way to express a total commitment mindset in which you, you I never understood, you know, when we, as a pastor, I've married countless couples, and it never dawned on me that we get so focused on the ceremony we miss out on the heart of the event. And the heart of the event is not how pretty the woman's dress is or how handsome the, the guy looks with his tuxedo. Um, that's all superficial. The heart of a marriage is two individuals coming before God Almighty and saying, make us, keep us, lead us into a covenant relationship. And a covenant relationship echoes these words. I am today choosing, not out of feelings, not out of romance, but out of holiness to relate to this union as a total commitment. I am all in, no reserves. Amen. I'm, I'm laughing in, in this study as I'm underlining in books and the commentaries that I'm looking at because I'm realizing we, we are our worst enemies. And the people that we admire most in our society, I mean, it's not really it's sports stars, maybe some politicians, but really the movie stars are the true gods in our society. We know everything about their histories. We, we love to read articles about their lives. And when these individuals get married, I'm, the reason I laughed is because I'm trying to visualize in a sarcastic kind of way they're, 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 the day that they're proposing to each other. When I proposed to my wife, it was me and my wife. I picked a very intimate place, a very special occasion. But I'm wondering if these individuals, when they're gonna propose marriage, if it's just the two of them, 
or if they bring their lawyers along with them. Because they have these things called prenuptial agreements, which is a very fancy word lawyers have come up with to kind of soften what they really are. This is a contract. A prenuptial agreement is I'm going to marry you under these stipulations. And should you and I realize that, nope, you can't take my house, you can't touch my, my car, and you definitely can't touch my bank account. I love you. <laughs> is that total commitment? And we worship these individuals. You know, it was in the 60s and 70s that we began to see a spike in divorce. And you can point this way and you can point that way. But at the end of the day, is our society secularizing, humanizing that which is holy, that which is a covenant, and treating it as a contract. And though you and I may not have lawyers on the day of our engagement, and on the day of our marriage, we did not sign, and then our lawyers making sure they read all the fine print for us and say, it's safe for you to sign your name there. Though we may have not had that experience, we can have that experience in our hearts. Because in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus is approached by individuals, religious individuals. Again, this is the, the thing that just blows my mind away. Is who is asking Jesus these questions? Is not, you know, womanizing men. Is not the prostitutes that are saying, you know, we should treat marriage lightly, shouldn't we? It was the pastors. It was the elders. It was the scholars of those days, the biblical scholars, the people that had large portions of scriptures in Matthew 19 come to Jesus with the words that say, Lord... We are, able, we are allowed to divorce for any reason, right? And they meant it. Their question was a sincere question. We are men. We are allowed to, marry, to divorce our wives for any reason, right? Any reason, right? It's biblical, right? Didn't Moses give us men the prerogative to divorce our wives for any reason? And Jesus responds, pow, that's right. You got to listen, Josiah. We men, Jesus spoke to and said, the reason Moses, the only reason Moses allowed for divorce was because of the hardness of your heart. You would be so abusive to this woman. You will be so cruel to this woman that you no longer want her. You want out. You will mistreat her. You might even pl plot her murder. So rather than seeing my child, that precious woman, suffer under those conditions, I've made a way out. But that was not how I, why I made marriage for. And you know, we, we may say, well, I've never gotten divorced, but we sleep in different rooms. We haven't gotten divorced, but I can't remember the last time I kissed my wife. Hey, pastor, we're not divorced. We just have separate bank accounts. We're not divorced. We just don't talk about these things. Just like you need more than a piece of paper to be married, you can also be divorced without a piece of paper. And there are many more people divorced in the eyes of God just because they don't have that piece of paper, but they live very separate lives. 
And God doesn't want that to be your experience or mine. God loves you too much to experience something less than what he has made marriage to be. Praise God. And by this series, the desire, the goal for me is to grow in my marriage. And by that, I pray that whatever it gets shared to you will challenge us and have us experience breakthroughs in our marriage. People will say, well, my wife and I don't argue, but do you talk intimately? Do you talk about things? Well, there are certain buttons that we don't talk about. Well, those are the very things you should be addressing. You don't need a piece of paper to be divorced from your spouse. Jesus says that you don't need to actually have done the act to have committed adultery. You do it where? In your mind. So this is where the covenant takes place. This is where we need to divorce ourselves from the contract mindset and attach ourselves to the covenant. So total commitment um, is um, something that we have to revisit and ask, ask ourselves, are we there? Exclusive commitment, uh, we're going to spend some time this morning uh, going through this, and I think this is where we're going to stop. Uh, the rest of the sermon I will make available in the podcast, and I will give you the information at the end of the sermon. But I don't want to go beyond our time limit this morning, but I also don't want to rush through this. The idea of exclusive commitment, if humanism and secularism have done a very effective way in leading us to not look at marriage the way God designed it to be a holy institution, the pleasure-seeking aspect of our society has also done its part to undermine it. And like I said, this is not something unique to America or to our times. This has always been the case in, in our world. Um, two words from the Bible that I, I had not really spent time studying, which is fornication and adultery. This is how the church would, make, would for centuries, describe behaviors, sexual behaviors that uh, affronted the marriage relationship. Either you were committing fornication or you were committing adultery. And when I was in Columbus, Ohio, someone asked me, so what's the difference? And I, didn't, I realized I didn't know the difference. Uh, fornication is what takes place between unmarried people. Adultery is what takes place between married people. But the Bible combines them. The Hebrew words in the Old Testament uh, sometimes are translated as fornication and sometimes translated as adultery. And to some degree, I feel that our society, in trying to relabel these, there's an intentionality behind using a different term. Our society doesn't say, you know, these movie stars committed adultery or this movie star is committing fornication or this singer, whatever. We don't use that language anymore. We use words as premarital sex or extramarital sex. And we have subconsciously, through this usage of words, separated sex from marriage. Listen carefully. I grew up in the church, and already through my uber-saturation of movies and TV shows, my uber-saturation of music, secular music, you, you cannot expect to listen to secular music and not have a secular worldview. It just happens that way. Uh, you cannot have a, a exposure, a daily high dosage like I had of secular media and not have a secular mindset. And one of the strongest things that I did not know had happened is I separated marriage from sex. You can have sex but not be married. They're not necessary. You don't need the one to have the other. And it's normal. It's okay. 
the society that I grew up with in this mid-80s, 90s, the big push was not have sex in marriage. The big push was have safe sex. You are a mature young man if you carry a condom around. You are being responsible. And those were the messages from my high school teachers and my counselors and my friends that were mature would say to you, oh, you have one of those, these, oh, you are a mature young man. So, hey, I am being a good human being if no one ever said, you know, sex is something more than, that, than just what society tells you it is. Sex is integrally related to marriage. And the church, um, I'm going to speak quite transparently with you this morning, it is to some degree our, the church's fault. Because I grew up in a Spanish church setting, but I've come to realize that it's not just a Hispanic taboo to not talk about sex within the church. I think it's just a Christian thing. It's been a Christian taboo for decades to not address issues relating to a sexual nature. And we treat it like such a taboo that our young people grow up completely oblivious to what the Bible has to say about sex. And they get all their information from out there. And then we wonder, why are they behaving that way? Maybe it's partly our fault. And as a pastor, I want our children to have a healthy view of sex. Sex is not dirty. Amen. It's in the first chapter of the Bible. Did you know that? It's not called sex. It's called multiply. <laughs> which, which the very language tells you how God feels about it. He didn't say add. He said multiply. What do you get like 2 plus 16 versus 2 times 16? Which yields more? God used multiplication, not addition. He definitely didn't use subtraction. God has a book in the Bible called Song of Solomon. But the church for centuries has been silent while Satan has spoken. So, as, your, as a parent, my wife and I have an eight-year-old we are already, we have already set a foundation of teaching our daughters anatomy, proper anatomy. And we talk about it as if it's normal. And it's a struggle for me because I'm a Hispanic. And a year or two ago, we were driving in the minivan. I was going to buy some groceries with my oldest daughter. And she said, Daddy, where do babies come from? She said, I know it's from mom. And I know it's from the belly. But where does the baby come out? That's my question. And I almost crashed. <laughs> I'm like, I wish I had those electrical self-driving cars right now. I would faint. <sighs> so I took a deep breath. I prayed. And I explained simply, anatomically, <laughs> like a good nurse, <laughs> where the exit is. And she said, oh, okay. And that was the end. And I said, thank you, Lord. No more questions. But I found myself fighting against this ingrained mindset of it's a taboo that we need to, to not talk about. I'm realizing, because I've done these workshops on sexuality all over our country and other parts of the world, from the Middle East down to South America, 
by the time most parents get around to talking about the subject, they are about usually two years behind. This has been my experience across generations of cultures, status, social status, and educational levels. Most parents that bring up the subject to talk to their kids about it are usually at least two years behind. And with the advent of the internet, my friends, if you think your children don't know, your head has been in the sand for quite some time. Amen. The world wants your children to look at sex as a separate experience from marriage when God says it is only safe within the experience of marriage. You know, this idea of um, how the Bible presents sexuality I want to share with you one insight that I gained from Genesis 38, verse 15. I'm not going to give you the whole background. Simply look at this, this passage. This is a man, one of the, the leaders of um, the Jacob's sons, Judah, his name, his name was. When Judah saw her, this woman, he thought she was a harlot, a prostitute, because she had done what? Covered her face. Now, I, I used to always pass that statement. But now, after I've done quite a bit of research and studying and explaining to people about sexuality and how the world degrades, distorts, and destroys this concept, this idea that a prostitute would cover her face, even though it's cultural and at that time, it speaks to the reality of what it is. Sex outside of marriage is an exploitative experience in which I treat you as parts, not as a whole. In this scenario, Judah is looking at this woman and he understands she is a prostitute and he is okay, listen carefully, he is okay in not seeing her face but having sex with her. I'm not interested in your face. I'm not interested in all of you. I just want parts of you. When teenagers begin to explore and ask these questions and begin to touch and do all these things and explore, they're not interested in that person as a whole. They are interested in parts of this individual. When society presents to us these concepts, what they're doing is making us go into a butcher shop in which my daughters, if they are exposed to a secular mindset, they will be told you have value in this butcher shop and we will chop you in pieces and tell you that you are only valuable because of these parts of your anatomy, your face, your hair, your nose, your legs, your this or your that. And that is what you need to capitalize upon. Men will not want all of you and that's okay. Men may only want your beauty, but they will not want your heart. It is okay for a man to fall in love with your face, with any of these things, but as, who cares if they are interested in you as a person? And that's sex outside of marriage. I'm not committed to you. I'm saying nice, wonderful things that I'm learning you want to hear. But my goal is not you. My goal is a part of you. So it's okay if you've covered your face. I won't care about your face. That is one of the strongest experiences. Listen carefully. The strongest experiences of loneliness. When you are only treated as parts and not as a complete being. God doesn't want that for our young people. It is no surprise to me when I would see these correlations of extremely promiscuous youth people, young people with high suicide rates. 
depression, self-mutilation, especially with young ladies. And with the, the exposure of, of pornography and immorality being readily available to our children through any of these gadgets that we sometimes place carelessly in their hands without putting any kind of barriers or, or monitoring them. Our world has always been a butcher place for humanity, men and women. And the, the, the focus has been to destroy, to disable our ability to relate to marriage as a holy in, a institution and all that marriage brings with it, including sex. I'm not gonna go through these, I'm just gonna finish with this one this morning. The scriptures that we just read, and I will have these in the podcast, by the way, uh, those two scriptures, they seem, and many others, seem to make a parallel comparison. What sex is to the human-to-human covenant relationship marriage, worship is to the human-to-God covenant relationship. Worship is the most intimate thing we can give to God. Our love, our adoration, our entire being, our hearts. That's what God says, that you shall love the Lord your God with how much? all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, with all of who you are. That's worship. And when Israel would worship other idols, God would say, you're acting like a harlot. You're acting like a prostitute. You're acting like a fornicator. You're acting like an adulterer. The same parallel language that God would use for worship is the same parallel language that God uses when he faults humans for not treating marriage as a covenant relationship. So, the Bible, today more than ever, as the coming of Jesus draws near and Satan is stoking the fires of our society to undermine our, 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 our um, family institution, it makes sense why in Malachi, It makes sense why the last words of the last prophet of the Old Testament would say these things. This is Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. God is going to send a prophetic voice, a prophetic message right before the second coming of Christ, verse 6. And he will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. What is God seeking to restore that is being broken and attacked? The family, the marriage relationship. Our families are (laughs) under tremendous attack by society from all sectors. And the prophetic message of the word of God, the, the... Bringing God into the marriage. Because God originated it, you cannot be married and leave God out of your home, my church, my friends. If you're not praying with your spouse, if you're not praying with your husband, if you're not reading the scriptures to your children, how is God in your marriage? And if God is not in your marriage, what is? How are you relating to arguments and disagreements, to money, to all the elements that comprise marriage? If the word of God and God is not there, all of these other isms, secularisms and humanisms definitely will take root in your home. 
God invites you today to restore, like it says here, to restore the simplicity of family worship. Daily family worship. And by family worship, I don't mean that you need to buy an organ and learn how to play it and have hymns and have a bulletin. Amen? Simply family worship is bringing your children together and praying as a family. Amen? That does not happen as much as it should. We're too busy. We're too tired. We're too occupied. We're too this. We're too that. But if you're not marrying, you're not praying with your spouse. You're leaving God out of the institution that he created. And you cannot do marriage without God. The rest of the sermon I will put on the podcast this week, we hardly got to touch any of it. Um, and I will also be sharing um, in that, I will have several episodes, the Ten Commandments of, of, mar- of a marriage covenant. But my appeal to you, in light of just what we have heard this morning, is that if you came into this house of worship this morning, and God has not been part of your weekly routine, His Word has not been part of your daily routine with your family, God is appealing to you through this message to make God the central part of your marriage and your family. Are you willing to do this? Are you willing to turn off the television so that you can have family time with your kids to pray? Sometimes the morning doesn't work, so do it at night. Be flexible, yeah, right? Flexibility, blessed are the flexible for they shall not be broken. But you need to make God, and you need to fight for this. You need to fight so that God is the integral, central part of your marriage because he's going, to, he's going to be the one that will make your marriage into a covenant that will bring satisfaction and fulfillment. Father in heaven, I knew last night when I finished typing the sermon that I was not going to be able to finish it, but I asked you that I will be able to cover that which be most pertinent to those that come. I don't know where my friends are at, but Father, at the end of the day, I know from my personal experience that we can get so busy, so wrapped up with the unexpected, sick kids, finances, accidents, all of these things, and it's so easy to leave you out. It's so easy to cut with you. And Father, we we, we do treat you the way those Pharisees treated the temple. The building's not important, it's the gold inside that counts. Paying the bills is what's important, but prayer is not. We have that same mindset, Lord, a secular mindset. If we can think that we can live our lives without you in it. So, Father, I'm praying along with my brothers and sisters, those that are married, those that are single, but especially those that are married. Father, by the power of your Spirit, lead us and bring conviction to restore family worship in our homes. That Sabbath will not be the only time that our family prays together. The Sabbath will not be the only time that our family opens your holy word. Father, I pray that every home, every family will be committed to a daily encounter with you in their homes, with their children, with their spouses. Restore our marriages. Restore and protect our families. We ask for these blessings in Jesus' name. Amen, Father.